Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi, and welcome. Welcome to Visual Workplace Radio. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. In each of our shows, we explore, describe, and celebrate the principles and practices, the concepts and tools, methods and strategies, the people and the results of implementing the technologies of the visual workplace. We learn and we reflect upon how these help us let the workplace speak. And the outcome, informational transparency. And what I mean by that is the operational details of work are embedded into the living landscape of work and we pull that information to us as we need it, when we need it, whoever needs it. We do that and the workplace speaks That informational transparency is the end of missing information, the end of questions, the end of interruptions. If you ask a question, you ask a question like, hi, how are you? That's a question in a workplace that speaks. It isn't, where's my material? When does it have to be done? Where are my fixtures? What am I doing today? Who's my supervisor? Where's my supervisor? None of those questions. They're gone. They're gone, and we can do the dance of work. We can flow, we can flow, because the workplace speaks. And of course, that leads to dramatic improvements in quality, productivity, on-time delivery, and this wonderful cultural alignment that I describe as a spirited and engaged workforce on all levels of the enterprise, not just value-add associates, not just your operators, your hourly employees. Of course, they make their workplace speak. But everyone gets engaged in this. We create a workforce of visual thinkers. You, too, you become a visual thinker. Think about that. So welcome. Welcome. So glad that you came today. Oh, dear. There's lots of things going on in the world, lots of things to worry about. Believe me, I feel them in my heart, in my head, my back aches, just, I mean, everything. I feel, feel it everywhere the same way, the same way you do. I'm so sorry. This is something we are going through, and hopefully we're doing it together. And the the rowboat is big enough for all of us if we see that we are, in fact, in a rowboat. This is not a steamship liner. It's not an aircraft carrier. It is a rowboat. Pick up an oar. So... uh, Let me invite you to visit our website, visualworkplace.com, and you'll find free articles, and lots of them, over 100 of them, and these podcasts, which are now finally downloadable directly from our website, visualworkplace.com. And we also talk about, describe our products and services, the ones that we deliver on site as we help companies convert to a workplace that speaks. We also have on that website our online training systems. These are wonderful systems. We have Work That Makes Sense, the book that we are discussing now, 
and we'll be discussing for months to come, I think, if I go as slow as I have been going. I'm sorry. There was a man named Joe who wrote me after my very first show. That was like 2011. And he said, could you please get to the point? <laughs> Little did I know that I couldn't. <laughs> I thought I was getting to the point, but not fast enough for Joe. He was a plant manager and he wanted the information. <laughs> So you can find on our site our online training systems. They're wonderful. We have work that makes sense in English, narrated by me, and in Spanish, my words, but narrated by a wonderful Spanish-Mexican interpreter, Ana Saucida. She has been working with me for four years now, and she actually can teach this stuff sometimes. There'll be a, you know, a an image on the screen and I'll say Anya take it you take over you teach this point and she'll just she'll just do it handily joy to work with very very good in Spanish very good (laughs) and then we also have a pokeok system that I co-developed with uh, my wonderful colleague Martin Hinckley who is a an ex-NASA scientist and man are you talking about a brainiac This guy is so smart. It changed the molecules in my mind to work with him for three years and and try to do the translation. It was good for me, but I think it was even better for him. (laughs) Uh, So you'll see that on our site, and we're very proud to announce that the Shingo Prize is going to be hosting these products on their website as well. We're working on that particular web link now. Should be ready. Should be ready soonish. And if you want more information about uh, us or to arrange for me or one of our certified affiliates to come and work with you at your company after things get cleared up and we have an economy again, please email us. God bless us, please. Email us at radio at visualworkplace.com. If you have something directly for me, you can still send it to radio at visualworkplace.com. It will be routed. I read everything, so um, don't worry about it. I don't I don't think anything's ever gotten lost. Don't worry about it getting lost. It would be a first. We are happy to help. We that is our business to help people think visually and bring workplace visuality successfully, very successfully into their own companies. We are good at this, really good. And this is work that we love. So, let us continue. We left off last week. We are in Chapter 3 talking about the implementation toolbox for operators. What do they need to have in their toolbox in order to get on with the business of creating visual devices? This is not a methodology, this particular toolbox. This has to do with five very physical tools. Well, The first one isn't... Um, Well, it is physical. It's your visual workplace showcase. Let me go through them and then we'll pick up where we left off last week. The five tools are, and these tools, they're key tools to help us stay inspired, focused, targeted, and driving workplace visuality. Your vision place to help us stay inspired. Remember, I talked about McDonald's and I talked about Lowell's, Home Depot, Disneyland as a place that these are places that are run by visuality. They're visual 
at the customer interface, they are visual behind the scenes. I took a behind the scenes tour of Disneyland one uh, one summer when I was there, and uh, it was very interesting. They could have been much, much more visual, but they were visual enough so that Minnie Mouse did not show up in um, Tomorrowland or on the French Pavilion. They had very, very good underground connectors to allow um, the characters that populate Disneyland to show up in the right place and not in the wrong place. Disneyland is a wonderful vision place. You go there, you spend the whole day, you come home exhausted, and you're satisfied because you were able to do what? You were able to flow. Why? Because Disneyland speaks. It speaks in a language that we recognize as tourists and as consumers. How wonderful is that? So the first tool is your vision place. The second is your laminated map, which we talked about the last time we're going to continue today to say some more things about the laminated map and some other things. And then there's the physical tool of your hit list, your visual workplace hit list to keep you targeted. And your physical supplies, we'll talk about that. I'm not sure we're going to get to that today, but we will soon. And then a transformational modality called your visual blitz. In Spanish, it's called your rafaga, your blast. So we're going through these tools. We will begin the methodology when we get to so-called module four or chapter four, where we begin to understand and apply the 14 principles of smart placement. Right now, we're in ramp up. First, an introduction to the basics of visuality. That was chapter one, module one. Second, the building blocks of visual thinking. Very practical, very important to understand the elements of that thinking. Motion, work, eye-driven, the six core questions, standards, your motion metrics, the value field, information deficits. Okay? And now we're on the implementation toolbox. So, what I did last time was instead of just telling you about the laminated map from the point of view of value-add associates, I introduced the management system, the management system that exists behind the scenes of the work that makes sense implementation. But as I noted last week, of any implementation, any improvement rollout that has a shape, a pace, a beginning, middle, and end, an arc, needs to have an improvement infrastructure just the way buildings do, just the way your community does. In the community, we have the water system, the sewer system, the electrical grid, the transportation system. All of this is part of the community. This is the circulation system that makes the community work. But it isn't the people, okay? But it is, it's there to serve the people, and it's the same way with your improvement infrastructure. It's the same way with buildings. There's I-beams and electrical currents and, and your, um, your plumbing and your escalators, the, ways, the way to find your way, and then there's the building itself, whether it's a building full of insurance offices 
or engineering offices or marketing offices or a mix of them all. Got to have I-beams. And that's the way it is with your improvement infrastructure. This is a leadership task. Operators, value-add associates cannot do it. Of course they can't. They don't have the authority, the resources, nor do they have the conceptual connectivity about how to pull the enterprise together. So we walk through that. And we've done four of the six. We talked about a vision place for leaders, for executives. We talked about the importance of identifying a systematic methodology so that there is a roadmap for creating the outcome and to support that with excellent training materials. That was number three. Second one was systematic methodology. These are all the responsibility of the ranking side executive. We talked about establishing on-site leadership very structurally. We call it the three-legged stool. The three legs of the stool are the management champion. That's number one leg. The visual workplace coordinator, the logistical project manager with oversight responsibility, supported by a small group of volunteers called the lead team. And we talked about the third leg of the stool, which is the visual workplace steering team, the language you can change, the terms you can change to suit your company. But that's a group of hourly employees who volunteer to support and to worry about and to strengthen the implementation. They keep their pulse on themselves. How's it going for us? Are you making the same mistakes you made four years ago? You weren't even here four years ago or 12 years ago. I was here. I, I live in this community and I don't get promoted out of this community. Okay, so I, I remember that. I hold the memory of my company. Even when you get promoted and go on to greener pastures, I'm here. Remember, I remember the mistake that was made 12 years ago, and you're about to make it again, so let me tell you what happened the last time. And we will recommend to you, me and my buddies, how to avoid it, because we know how. We saw it coming, and you didn't. We see it coming now, and you don't, so we're going to help you. We want to help you. That's why we volunteered. So that's the fourth leg, and that, I'm sorry, and that's the third leg, and that's the fourth management um, element in the infrastructure, a steering team. This, I'm sorry, an on-site leadership team, the three-legged stool. You can think of the three-legged stool as an accountability structure. These are people who are willing to be accountable for an outcome. That is some of the hardest work you do in a company. Change management, organizational development, moving forward, creating the change, and keeping damage to a minimum. You're going to do some damage. It's like being a parent. The first kid is going to be damaged, going to go go to therapy when when they're 13. But you know what? You have a second iteration. You have a second cycle. You have a second kid, and that kid's going to do better. (laughs) There are always casualties, but you, you want to prepare to keep them minimized. So the infrastructure is there. It's a success in infrastructure, but it is also accountability. These are the, the people who populate 
the so-called three-legged stool are sturdy individuals. They're experienced. They're valuable. And they're lending their strength to change. So the fifth tool is the laminated map. And I described to you the last time the use of the laminated map on the enterprise level. It is, by way of reminder, it is simply a map of the facility. It is then bounded, bounded all around the periphery and then bounded inside for the various natural work groupings or departments so that we have these sections. We teach through a particular map. It's called Curtis Screw in, in, in Rochester, New York, many years ago. And that map was one that has been integrated into our training materials. And we know there are 17 departments. There's the Acme Gridley, where the screws are made. There's the Davenport. There's chip removal and chip processing, the tool room, the dock, the quality area. You bound those. And in the map, you're going to use a color-coded chart so that you can see at a glance what the status of each area is across the enterprise for the rollout, for the conversion, for the deployment, for this methodology that you've chosen so wisely and you've trained so well. And the three dot, the, the dot system, there are four dots, go like this. At the beginning, all 17 areas in this particular company, 17 areas get a blue dot. And it means simply, uh, we are not implementing here yet. And then there's a discussion. It's quite a detailed discussion about where to begin. Your supervisors are involved in it. It is not the executive deciding. It is the supervisors gathered around very uh, a table with this very large map on it and talking about the pros and cons of beginning here or there. And it brings them, brings supervisors early on into the change process. It gives them ownership. It also, the way that we do it, it also gives them a veto. And if one of the supervisor, supervisors who's in charge of one of the areas that you as the ranking side executive has your eye on, if that supervisor says, no, please, it's no. doesn't even have to say please. Maybe it's no because I'm a grumpy person and I don't like change. Or maybe it's no because we're getting three new machines in the last four months and we can't take any more commotion. Or maybe it's no because I'm under so much pressure now I don't have room for an improvement, anything. We're just trying to stay steady on getting the work done. Please, boss, don't do this to me. And the boss says, of course, it's okay. No is no. And you make the decisions around that, about where to begin. And the ranking side executive will stay in charge, as she must, of the pace and the consumption of resources. So the first area that is designated, approved by the people around the table is gets a red dot. And then the ranking side executive says whether or not he or she is willing to go with another area and give out another red dot. So that's controlled. 
usually you shoot for two and you usually get three or four areas working at once, depending on your shift configuration. So red means let's get started. We have a long way to go. Let's get started. We have a long way to go. Red dot. You see that on a map. You see a sea of blue dots, and you see one red dot, maybe two, maybe three, and you say, okay, those areas are under development. You can write a little date on the map. Now the red, I'm sorry, on the dot. And now the dots go through the evolution as the area does. The next dot will be yellow. And yellow is pretty much a midway point. There has been a strong change, but it's not complete yet. Because the fourth dot is green. By the way, these blue, red, yellow, and green dots are exactly the number and colors of dots that you get from Avery labels. It's best to get them removable, transparent, and easy easy to remove because you're going to be moving these. You're going to be removing and adding new dots all the time. Yellow in work that makes sense means the visual wear is in place. That assumes that requires that smart placement is in place, and then the visual wear. And the visual wear is a border and address and an ID label for everything that casts a shadow. It's very, very strong. And it is a turning point. And for, for, for areas that go to yellow, they feel like they are 95% through. They have achieved 95% of workplace visuality because the visual wear is in place. And it's in place based on the logic of smart placement, based on the logic of flow. But there's still green to go. And green in our system has to do with something called customer-driven visuality and also management walk and also a leadership audit. The leadership in this case is self-leadership. It's an audit that is run by the operators, developed by an operator. And we don't even call it an audit. We call it a checklist because an audit really has to do with compliance the checklist really reaches for something new, and we want that flavor. We want that continuing flavor of transformation, certainly not compliance. Not in my visual workplace. Oh, no, we're not interested in, in compliance because what we need is effectiveness. We need performance effectiveness, and that is a, a developmental target and not a static one which is what you get when you have a compliance audit, like your 5S audit. Ooh, big trouble there. So that's the way the laminated map works on a senior, on the enterprise level. And you, t- you can tell at a glance what your areas, how your areas are doing. You want line of sight, and that gives you an immediate line of sight. And there are, there are nuances to this, but that's generally how it's used. And of course, you can adapt this to other methodologies. Maybe you're doing value stream. Uh, Maybe you're doing, hmm, maybe you're getting Kaizen Blitzes going and you're getting the the modality of Kaizen Blitzes, the deployment, and you want to keep track of that. Or maybe you put a dot in for each Kaizen Blitz that has happened, or you put a number on the dot. To say that's happened, you change the criteria, you change the criteria. Okay? It's very, very useful. You need line of sight, and you need line of sight 
at a glance. Line of sight is not a a Gemba walk. If you have enterprise-wide line of sight, you have a summative format, such as the laminated map. So that's what happens on the uh, executive level or the ranking level. The laminated map works very, very well on the area level as well. And what the operators do is they're sitting around a map of their work area that's been laminated. It's usually about 20 by 30 inches. It's something big. It's, it's laminated, but it doesn't need detail. It doesn't need equipment layout or electrical outlets or plumbing or coolant systems or anything like that. You're just going to bound the area. You're going to name the areas. I beg your pardon. You're going to name the area. And then you're going to bound its discrete parts. For example, at Acme Gridley, at Curtis Screw, the guys bounded it into seven, eight, nine, nine areas. One of one area was the GM set of machines. Another one was Volkswagen. These are screw machines. Another one I'm looking at it now is Mercedes. Another one was their new prototype. They got a brand new machine and they were trying new things on it. Every All the areas were uh, blue to begin with. And then they said, where should we begin? And then they went from blue to red to yellow to green and gave them status at a glance. That's the way that works, the laminated map. And let me just mention a subset here before I go on to the final infrastructure tool, which is the improvement time policy, and that is the visual workplace bulletin board. So that's a subset. But the visual workplace bulletin board is something that your management that your management champion or your visual workplace coordinator, usually the coordinator, make sure is in place. Each targeted area needs a bulletin board for posting the various items and notices related to the change. The laminated map, the training schedule, the hit list, which you'll learn about soon, improvement time tracking, which we'll get to in a moment, and other announcements. And generally, you look for uniformity across all targeted areas. You work out a uniform format, a size, a look, a color, a feel, and also the location. So you're always going to be looking to the left or the right. It's on the left as you enter. That's where our bulletin board is. It's it's a good idea if you can do that. In some areas, it's not possible because of the layout of equipment or the layout of work. But as you can, you can. And then you make your bulletin board self-explaining easy to use, easy to update, visually functional, and appealing. I just say that as a subset because we were talking about the laminated map and you need a place to post it. So, I've talked about the laminated map on a strategic infrastructure level and I just talked about it on an area level to give you line of sight. So, I'm going to go back to the infrastructure level and complete the final tool, the sixth tool for setting up broadly your improvement infrastructure. 
And that is such an important tool in my experience. It's called the Official Improvement Time Policy. It is a policy that the ranking site executive usually develops and certainly has to sign that talks about the company's commitment in reference to time. This is always uh, a big bite. Any company committed to the journey to excellence is already running at full tilt. We're already driven by our production schedule. Mm -hmm. A company that is not yet on the journey to excellence also runs full tilt, but for other reasons, and usually for negative reasons. They're running full tilt because they're firefighting and nothing really works well. A company that's already on the path to excellence has a lot of the debris out of the way, but is still running well and full tilt. If either type of company doesn't establish an improvement time, an official improvement time policy, very little improvement will ever happen in that enterprise. In the battle between operations and improvement time, time for improvement, operations will always win. And that is as it should be. The company is in the business of delivering its products and services and operations takes priority. But without an established and official improvement time policy, there is danger that needed improvement will never happen. Improvement will certainly never turn into a habit if we simply leave it to the willing Leave it to the willing who see the vision burning brightly before them, this vision of improvement, and then eke out small pockets of time to, as it were, make magic happen. In their determination to find a way, these quiet, determined heroes do themselves and the rest of us some bit of harm. They didn't intend to, but actually when we look at it, when they succeed, In finding time in the absence of a clearly defined improvement time policy, they unintentionally send the message that separate time is not needed. Do you see? It's a real double think. It is the wise executive who sees through this, this double think, and takes steps to establish an official improvement time policy nonetheless. In fact, I will boldly state that the lack of an established improvement time policy is one of the greatest corporate roadblocks, executive roadblocks, to making continuous improvement a way of life. It certainly is true with workplace visuality, which has such a strong component of inventiveness and connectivity. It isn't just a Band-Aid, not at all. It is a comprehensive transformative change that changes your KPIs dramatically and as dramatically changes the people who achieve them. So I want to make three points. Improvement time, and this is about improvement time, and then we'll say more. Improvement time is separate from operations time, and it is clocked as such. Improvement time is not associated with meetings 
or any kind of so-called general house cleaning, you know, your cleanup, that's not improvement time. And your improvement time policy also needs to be piloted and tweaked as needed because it needs to work for the enterprise, for operations, and for operational excellence. So it has three masters, and you have to find the balance. So the improvement time policy is written by your ranking side executive. He or she can delegate it. It's not a good idea because the struggle is in the balancing, the enterprise, operations, and the commitment to the change, in this case, workplace visuality. So we always, we want (laughs) the senior uh, site executive to write that policy. And by the way, I want to say as a footnote, we're doing things to our website to make it more useful to you, uh, that on the radio page, there will be a link to another page that will have the kinds of documents that I describe here. It will take us a few weeks. Please forgive us. Uh, but these ideas kind of dawn on us more slowly than <laughs> the normal the normal uh, brain. Uh, but we think it will be very helpful, for example, to have a template on improvement time policy for you to use and contemplate. And by the way, one of the samples that we'll put up is a sample that is signed by the uh, the um, general manager, but also all the supervisors, in another case, all the managers, so that everyone is lending their support. The improvement time policy states, for example, uh, I'm going to read one to you so you get a flavor of it, okay? This is called Acme Company, but this actually came from a very... A very excellent manager named Angela who worked in California. The management of Acme Home Repair in Fresno, California, she was not from Fresno, I disguised her location, (laughs) is pleased to announce that we have been uh, chosen by headquarters in New York as a demonstration site for implementing work that makes sense. Work That Makes Sense is a systematic improvement method designed to build the key work information directly into the physical work environment so that the right information is available to everyone and anyone who needs it when they need it. The goal is to help us provide excellent service and to satisfy, even delight our customers. So that's kind of a preamble. By working together more of the preamble, By working together with you to learn and apply the principles, tools, and practices of work that makes sense, we firmly believe that our on-time delivery, our quality, and our cost performance will improve, in many cases, greatly. We ask you to join in. Our first cycle of work that makes sense, it's WTMS, work that makes sense, work that makes sense training, classroom and hands-on, begins the second week of September and continues once a month for the next six months. Targeted areas for the first training cycle are customer service, the audit department, truck stop, I beg your pardon, truck stock specialists, 
and human resources, dock and sales personnel as well as truck technicians are scheduled for the second cycle. Improvement time policy. Acme management in New York recognizes, as we do, the outstanding care each one of you puts forth every day to attend to and care for our customers. We also recognize that as things now stand, you and your colleagues are busy with daily tasks from the moment you arrive until you go home. There's very little time for improvement. For that reason, we ask employees beginning with those in the first training cycle to dedicate one hour per week for work that makes sense activity. We call this our improvement time. And this paper is our improvement time policy. As part of that, we ask that you use the improvement time during normal business hours, that you keep improvement time separate from work time and log it as such, that you not combine improvement time with preparation time, meetings, daily cleanup, breaks, or lunch, that you track your improvement time on the forms provided, even if you don't use any, even if you don't get a chance to use any of your improvement time. I'll walk you through that form in a moment. And that you hand in your completed improvement time form at the end of every week to your supervisor or to Antonio Caldwell, our visual workplace coordinator. You can just leave it on his desk. We will keep this policy under review for the next several months to give it a chance a good test, and we'll revise it as needed. As ever, our success in this and all endeavors depends squarely on the participation, cooperation, and enthusiasm of everyone, you. My entire management staff stands ready to support you and do whatever is needed to ensure a dynamic and successful work that makes sense rollout, workplace visuality. Please don't hesitate to come and see me, Antonio, or your supervisor if you have any questions or just want to talk about this important undertaking. Thank you. And it is signed by the district manager and underneath her signature are the supervisors and the management staff at the Fresno location. That's an improvement time policy. And it took Angela, it took her probably two or three weeks to kind of work it out and have people look at it, and it was done before my team began to train. It's one of our stipulations. Gee, we're going to tell you about this. Usually there's a two-month lead time on a rollout, especially this particular one, which was supported and resourced by corporate. And we said two months earlier, we said, look, you've got to, got to prepare for the implementation. We went through this 22-item checklist, which I may share with you. I think I might. I mean, I think it might be interesting enough. I'm not withholding it. I just want to make sure that it's interesting for you. And um, and we said, you know, we're giving this to you 60 days in advance. We will not be able to train unless uh, the policy is in place. Because what happens to us which used to happen in the 1980s and 90s, is that we would come in and we know how to motivate, we know how to train, we're really good at what we do. People would get all excited and the company wouldn't be ready for the kind of improvement 
the kind of inventions that came out of the visual thinker. And people would get, the operators would become very discouraged, and we felt that it was our responsibility to make sure that the way was cleared. And so the improvement time policy was very, very much a result of that, very much a a result of some failures that we had at the beginning and some disappointed faces. And you can feel people's hearts just, you know, kind of breaking. You promised me this, and now it's not going to happen because you didn't tell my management about it. So it is uh, uh, required. It's required. Okay? Okay. This policy that makes a distinct separation between time for improvement and any other time use, including actual work and meetings, the policy gets written first. And then what comes, and we give a template for this, is an improvement time tracking sheet. And this tracking sheet is so interesting. I hope I have time to tell you about the cultural implications of this. The improvement time tracking sheet, sheet is a grid. And it is a form that's handed out to associates so they can track their time directly on it. So, here are some of the rules. The rule is you have to write your own time in your own hand. No one's going to ask you to write it, and no one's going to write it for you. We're not going to go around and say, and how much time did you use? And how much time did you use? And did you use any time? We don't want any of that flavor. You track it yourself. If you, you, we put it up on the bulletin board I mentioned the other, a moment ago. There's a tracking sheet. And the incredible thing about using improvement time, that ho- the whole array that I'm walking you through now, the policy and now the tracking sheet, and there'll be two other uh, forms of tracking in a moment, is that it, it is a diagnostic of your current culture, your current understanding, your current political uh, network, your current effectiveness as a company. Specifically, the tracking sheet, which is filled out by operators, gives you a clear line of sight on whether or not people trust the system. If they don't trust the system, even if they love visuality, what we find is that people will engage in visuality and not confess to any time. The charts will be empty. I'm not talking about zero. Zero is progress. When George goes up and and puts a line through the entire work Monday through Friday, and at the end of it, and he does this on Monday morning, he puts a zero on Monday morning for where he's going to be on Friday. That's progress in some plants because people have enough trust to say that to the system. We go by something I mentioned to you before, which is attendance is mandatory, participation is voluntary. And certainly, if you want to engage your time and creativity, that is voluntary. And we let it go at that. So we respect the zero, and we even say, thank you. Thanks, George, for putting up that zero. That's helpful. Can we help you find a way to do this? And he'll say, no, I'm not interested. I just wanted you to know I'm not interested. That's cool. See you at the training next week. He's going to be there. He's going to be there. 
Somebody else will put up, I put up 15 minutes. Oh, Marianne, 15 minutes. Gee, was that enough for you? No, it wasn't near enough, but the production schedule was making me crazy. I couldn't find any other time. And you know what? I went to George because he put his zero up on Monday. And I said to him, hey, George, I see that you are are, are not going to use your time. Can you spell me? Spell for me and, and give me a little bit of your time so I can work on this idea that I've been trying to get together for, for, for the last two weeks. And George says, no, you can't have my time. It's mine. You understand? <laughs> but that's also a diagnostic. You, you come to know where people are at. You don't have uh, starry-eyed expectations. You look at the reality of your culture and the reality of where people's hearts and minds are at. And that gives you some leg up on to develop interventions. Claude used his entire hour on Monday, and then he was flat out for the rest of the week. He also approached George, and George said no. So you learn so much, both because the individual, the value-add associate, has to put that number up him or herself, and because there's no fudge in it. So if the chart stays blank, you're already getting a clear understanding of where your culture is at. People are afraid. And this often happens. Even if it is not a fear-based culture, people will be so shocked by your saying that they can give up some of their production time for improvement that they believe it's a trap. Oh, this is a trap. I'm not going to walk into this one. They're going to have evidence on me. I'm not going to do it. And you begin to know how people perceive you, even if you've decided to turn over a new leaf and you're going to be an improvement-based company. People have been working there for 17 years. Not going to fool me. So it becomes an opportunity for management, for the coordinator, for the champion to get a beeline on what's really going on in the culture and there is no blame. It is simply data. Thank you very much. When you put your zeros up there, thank you very much. If nobody puts anything up there, then you know you're going to have to find out what the heck is going on. And you're doing this in your first cycle. You're doing, if you remember I said this to you last week, you're doing it in your A cycle where the trainer is going through learning how to work the methodology. I mean, if I'm there doing it, I, I kind of know how to handle all of these bumps. But you can build your own strength. We, we support that. We believe in self-sufficiency. And you go on and investigate, and you begin to tackle the hidden, the secret problems in your company. You begin, you begin to surface it through people's response to the improvement time tracking chart. It is a tremendously important tool. And I, I, when I was preparing for this session, I made some notes to myself that I want to make sure to say to you that the spade work for an implementation, for a transformation, happens the first year, but especially the first four or five months. All kinds of creepy things come out of the woodwork. Things that you didn't know about or that you did know about and wanted to forget. It might have to do with personalities. It might have to do with supervisors. You can be sure there are one or two supervisors who are not very nice people and who make a point of making sure that people don't talk about it. Let me just put it that way. And there may be frayed 
relationships between quality and the department or between maintenance and the machinists or whatever. And it isn't that you cure these things overnight. It's that you see them and that you the utilization of time as a lever gives you insight and gives you the diagnostic. You don't pretend that it's going to be okay or that it is okay when it's not. And you don't squeeze everything into a blitz. That's the problem with the blitz. One of the problems that I find with the Kaizen Blitz approach, I love that it exists, but it is done as a way of, uh, as an event. I'm sure you've heard this before, that all I have to do is do three blitzes in my department once a year, three blitzes across the year, and they're off my back. That's enough improvement for everyone. But it doesn't get at the cultural underpinnings because it doesn't, for example, in this case, deal with time. Time as a lever, time as a diagnostic, time as a catch-all for the kinds of things that are not in balance yet in your plant. It's very, very important, and we take that on. When we are implementing visuality, Because we're asking people to be eye-driven, because we're asking people to actually be inventive and to make a contribution, we have to look at the resilience of the work culture. In my over, well over 30 years of implementation, I have never found a more finely tuned, a more finely tuned yet robust tool for diagnosing the true health and resiliency of a company's work culture than a written improvement time policy that's been operationalized. A written improvement time policy is only an intent. When the policy is written, it has to be operationalized, tested, and tracked. So we collect the raw data, the actual hours, through the tracking sheet, which value-add associates complete eye-driven And if there's not enough trust for people to go up to a chart, and you'll know that in two or three weeks, then you hand it out individually. Hey, here's your individual tracking chart. Fill it out and leave it on Joe's desk before you go home on Friday. Thank you. And even then, people won't do it. But you begin to to dig away at this fear. And then... What happens when you do start getting numbers is that the coordinator begins to put that into uh, a time usage chart by department. Uh, This is the hours available, the hours used, the percent, and any kind of remarks that might be written on the chart. There's a little place for comments that says, I never got those supplies you promised me last week. You brought me the wrong supplies. Hey, where's that engineer who's going to help me with my design? And you track it. That's a third tool. It's an improvement time usage chart, and then it's summed up in a trend chart. And you slip that under the door, and the door of the management champion. And you say to them, look, we're going to keep you locked in that, door, in that room, but look at this trend chart because what you're seeing is your culture. <laughs> you're seeing your policy at work. You're seeing the resource of time not being utilized because people are, people remember what happened 17 years ago or whatever the story is. Very, very valuable. I want to encourage you so much. So I want to 
draw to a close this scan. It is a scan, but I think we, we got some depth into it. The scan of the improvement infrastructure working backwards, your official improvement time policy biting that bullet. The use of the laminated map so you have line of sight. The on-site leadership mechanism, which I call the three-legged stool. The seat of the stool is your targeted area supported by management champion, visual workplace coordinator or work that makes sense coordinator, and a steering team of volunteer associates. Your eye on excellent transfer materials, excellent training materials, so people are informed and inspired that they learn the protocols that they become interested in the way the brain works and visuality in the community. The systematic methodology, I'm working backwards, I'm now on two. Great training materials was three. Systematic methodology, they're going to follow that. And your first one, vision place. Vision comes first, then transformation. Okay? These components of your improvement infrastructure, you may have more, but I consider these to be fundamental and required. I hope this is helpful. I'll complete, I promise I'll complete the operator's implementation toolbox next week. We'll do hit lists and the blitz and supplies and things like that. And then we'll move on to smart placement Uh, in the episode that follows. I want to thank you very much for taking time out of your busy day to join us and listen in. I couldn't be happier, really. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. Let the workplace speak. Thank you for joining us this week at Visual Workplace Radio. Tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, with your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth on the Voice America Business Channel. Let the workplace speak.